Well, that one fell flat. Kind of did. This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Running like this. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 671. I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. And I am also going to be here with Brandon. Go follow him at B. TTG161 on Instagram and Twitter. Also check out Chris at Chris Sween Dog over on Twitter and CM Sweeney85. And follow me, David PTDPT, on Twitter and on Instagram. But collectively, follow us on Instagram at MarkinOut11 and on Twitter at MarkinOut. Also on TikTok and wherever else on social media platforms. But most importantly, make sure that you've subscribed and downloading. On MarkingOut.com, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you may be listening to your podcasts, such as Spotify. Buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. But, as I stated, this is Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans, so let's get on to the discussion. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome, as always. How about yourself? Doing great. How was your week? It was good. I went to my cousin's house for the first time to celebrate Hanukkah. They have a uh, Ah, brand new house. Really, really nice house. But Mm -hmm. that was nice. I got to have homemade potato pancakes, latkes, like I wanted. So that was good. And then uh, really outside of that, uh, found out that Curb Your Enthusiasm is officially ending in February. Oh, Oh, no. Which absolutely sucks, but... (laughs) I was under the impression that it was already ended. No. I didn't realize that they had a new season. Yeah, they've been working on it for a while now, I think, but... Mm-hmm. I guess so. Everything... I guess now it's not... Is it not going to air? No, no, no. It's going to air... The, the final episode airs... The final season starts February 4th. Okay, so they're still going to release a new season. It's just yeah, that's season the Yeah, season 12 one. will be released, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I so feel like it, that's a show that I would enjoy watching, but I just never really have. It's just, it's literally one of my favorite shows. It has to be a top three show for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what order it is, but it's got to be King of Queens, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Entourage. And the other two are already gone. So, Mm-mm-mm. that sucks. But I guess we'll we'll have probably ten weeks of of Larry David come come mm-hmm. February. But how was your week? My week was awesome. You know, it was enjoyable. I am happy that the weekend is upon us. Any Hanukkah uh, celebrations? Actually, going to be no, just lighting the menorah. I'm going to be seeing Spam a lot on Sunday. Oh wow! For my dad's birthday. Which you already is going to be I very cool. Of course. Of course. Um, very excited for that, especially with, uh, with the, the casting of 
uh, Sir, what is it, Sir Lancelot, you know, Sir Lancelot, what is it, uh, what's his Aaron name? Killam? Who's the, no, no, he was the original genie. Oh, that's The King guy Arthur. that played the original genie, the Tony Award James Monroe winner. Iglehart. Yeah, Jim, yeah, James Monroe. He's King Arthur. Yeah, King Arthur. King Arthur. Taron yeah, Killam makes... from, from SNL is Lancelot. I don't know if I know him. Also... I'll have to look at a picture. Is Steve Martin in this show? He does uh, the is voice voiceover. Okay, yeah, it's just I his thought. voice. Yeah, it's just also, his voice. Also, uh, the guy that played SpongeBob, I believe, is in this show as well. Really? The, the SpongeBob well, on the, Broadway, the, the one the that's Broadway one. Yeah, the one that's dating uh, Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that he was in that uh, this one. You know, actually, I, I just pulled I'm it up. I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I'm seeing that he is in that. You know, um, but I think that it's it seems like it's a very 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 funny show. Um, I think that. It's gonna be a ton of fun. I'm not I'm really a looking big, forward to it. I'm not a big Monty Python fan, and I know they like. I'm pretty sure that they they updated this to make it like. Um, obviously, things in the original couldn't be the same today, so they updated it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe I would like Tarantula. it. I'm not sure. I know that this was like a, a super lengthy running show on Broadway and people are super excited that it's back. So yeah, it's Should getting like a lot of, a lot of buzz. Yeah. I don't know. Taron, uh, Taron kill him. I don't know how not he was, he's married. He's oh. married to Robin Shabatsky. Oh really? Yeah. I know her. <laughs> I know Robin, uh, sparkles, Kobe but... smolders. Yeah. But I would have to look at a few of, uh, this guy's skits to actually recognize. Oh man, him. he was he did a fantastic Trump impression. It was really? such a short lived one, I think, but I, I I'm almost certain it was short lived. But he did a mm-hmm. very good Trump. Hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, the highlight would be James Monroe. You know. Yeah. Very. Very much so. Looking forward to it. But so, gonna go see Spam a lot on Sunday. I am a Monty Python fan. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a few other Broadway plays that I do want to see out there. So this is going to kick it off. And then we'll see where I end up next with uh, Broadway, though. Taron Killam apparently was on Mad TV as well. Huh. It was a rare thing to have. That's interesting. That's interesting. But, yeah. So... Got a lot looking forward to. Uh, what about Shohei Otani? Uh, Seven hundred million. Woo! <laughs> Seven hundred million dollars for ten years, and he's only gonna get two million dollars per year for ten years or whatever, because he's deferring all of his money and avoiding all those taxes. Insane. What would you do with uh, that much money? I, I don't know what I would do with a million dollars. So, <laughs> it's seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would hundred percent. I'd be going to see Taylor Swift. So, <laughs> you you would just buy tickets to every single concert. Hundred percent. Yeah. If I had seven hundred million dollars, <laughs> I would like rent out the venue myself and give everybody mm-hmm. tickets. 
Mm. I would fill the venue up with tickets that I bought and gave out to random people. What random people? Would you give it to fans or homeless people? No. What, what do you mean, homeless people? Well, I, if they're a fan of Taylor Swift, I'm sure I, I could give them a ticket. But like, why would that? Would you be buy a food for homeless people? Would I mean, I back? could. Would you do any donations? Would you do any good deeds with your money, rich man over here? Well, first of all, seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> I could do a lot of good deeds. <laughs> I think I saw somewhere that you can give. I think I saw that it's more than the population in the U.S. and that technically, with that amount of money, you can give one million dollars to every family in the U.S. That's crazy. Like I think there's three hundred million families in the U.S. I believe. So you can still you can give Damn. one million dollars to every single family and still have money left over. That's like insane to think about it that way. Yeah. I don't know I don't know the uh accuracy of that or the 300 million uh population of the US because I saw that on Twitter and as we know with Twitter everything is accurate. So don't know. But yeah, crazy crazy stuff. But let's get on to it. Let's talk about some Monday Night Raw. Uh, Monday Night Nitro. Kicking off with Jay Uso with some some big news. We were very worried last week about the Yeet. The Yeet had been deleted or whatever. Now the Yeet is back. Officially. And he hyped up CM Punk. He spoke about Drew McIntyre. He spoke about Sami Zayn. And then Drew McIntyre came out and said that he doesn't want CM Punk in the locker room. He said that he's one of the few who have actually traveled the world with CM Punk. And he knows how the story ends. And then McIntyre spoke about Sami Zayn. He apologized for what he did to Sami Zayn and said that's something that Jay can't do. He doesn't know how to apologize or whatever. And then he stuck with the the truth will set you free gimmick. And we go into the first match of Monday Night Raw, uh, Monday Night Raw where Drew McIntyre picked up the victory over Jay Uso. Yeah, I'm very happy to see Yeet is back. I could only assume that they paid, I guess, it, what? It was I an independent wrestler, right? Yeah. Uh, independent wrestler probably got a nice nice payday from this, realizing how much money WWE is going to be making off of it. Um, but, yeah, Drew McIntyre picking up the victory. What's your take of this being the opening of Monday Night Raw with Drew versus Jay? I liked uh, the spot where Drew McIntyre missed the Claymore and he landed on the commentary table. Because uh-huh. I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't remember seeing that from him before. So I thought that was cool. And then he went for yeah. the Claymore later on again and got hit with, I think, two super kicks. And then McIntyre got his knees up for the Uso splash and hit the future shock, which I thought was going to end the match. But Jay Uso kicked out of that and McIntyre took the turnbuckle pad off. He went for another Claymore only to get speared. But when the referee turned his attention to to fix that turnbuckle pad, he raked Jey Uso's eyes and then hit a, a claymore and picked up the victory. Yeah, you know, what's your point? What's your point of view with uh, CM Punk not opening it up Monday Night Raw? Oh, I know I don't it was care a big discussion. CM Punk opening or not? Well, that I know that's not the like I that's know, not well, the it was hot a big discussion, discussion anymore. The hot discussion for. 
for when he closed the show should have been when he opened the show, but I understand why they closed the show with that. I don't think it matters if Punk isn't opening the show at this point. Well, I mean, think, I think that the big thing about Monday Night Raw was CM Punk and where he's signing, if it's Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. So, yeah, so they're obviously okay going to want you to tune in. Of... Well, that's the thing. I've heard, I've heard both sides of views. You know, we've heard Chris on the previous episode, and uh, I've heard the takes of Busted Open, and it definitely makes you think about it. I mean, personally... I'd rather them have Punk slotted where they had him on this episode of Monday Night Raw instead of closing it again. Opening, I could have done, uh, but where they put it, I understand too. Um, but well, yeah. after that, we saw the Judgment Day backstage in their hangout in their clubhouse, and uh, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley basically yelled at JD McDonough and Dominic for losing last week. Our truth was also brought up, and they said that. He should have been dealt with. He should have had. They should have had everything under control. And then Damian Priest said that it sucks that people didn't show up last week, alluding to Rhea Ripley and Dominic, uh, not Dominic, Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor, and basically said that they're going to go handle the creeds. Rhea Ripley clapped back though, and she said she'll make an example out of Maxine. We saw Alpha Academy and Diamond Mine hyping each other up, hyping Maxine up. Our truth showed up with them this week. And uh, he had Christmas lights that he was going to go decorate the, the Judgment Day hangout with. And then you move on to the match where we saw Rhea Ripley pick up the victory over Maxine. I think originally when it was advertised, I think it was, uh, I thought it was a random title match. And then it turned out to not be a, a title match. So I was like, I wasn't understanding why Maxine was getting a title shot i thought it was a title match no nah, it wasn't it was that i thought 100 percent. i thought that it was a title shot but yeah it, and it didn't make sense to me so but the match itself nah, i mean during this match i mean you had a few spots that were very sloppy but it was yeah. more so on maxine's part and i think it you know, works you had a for part character where, not to it, like you know put excuses or anything out there but i think no, it works that's... because we literally saw her being trained on tv of course, it, it definitely works because it plays into her storyline right now with training. But unfortunately, you also don't want that to happen. To I mean, if it wasn't for the storyline, you know, it would have been really crappy as it still is crappy. Right. You know, she went for her Karana, but it looked like either Rhea Ripley was trying to get her up higher. And Maxine was just not communicating or, you know, it just looked really, really awkward. Um, but like you said, it did work for her character, luckily. Otherwise, anybody else, they would have been blasted. Yeah, and, uh, well, I mean, she was 100%. People were not kind to Maxine on Monday. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see, uh, see that. Yeah, but Rhea Ripley hit the Riptide, and then just to rub it in, she hit the Prism Trap, just to do more damage, and, uh, she wouldn't let go, so Ivy Nile stepped into the ring, and... Stepped up to Rhea Ripley. I'm not sure if we're not seeing that next week to... or what. I would assume we're probably going to see it as a filler next week. You know? After that, we got CM Punk. I think it was the 9 o'clock hour at that point. And he spoke yeah, about how he debuted, I guess, in WWE on the main roster in that building with Mickey James. He was then sent to OVW. 
And he was punted by Randy Orton in that building. And he was stripped for the WWE Championship in that building. Um, And then this was the building where he walked out on WWE. Yeah, this is the building he walked out on. And he's there to bury those ghosts and he wants to start fresh. Yeah. He apologized. And guess what? The crowd... Yeah, he apologized. And the crowd, they forgave him. And then he announced that he's signing with Monday Night Raw and Seth Rollins came out and got got into uh, his face. They were face-to-face and Rollins told CM Punk... Just before you said this, I... It was kind of... uh, You kind of figured something was going to happen because CM Punk went to the turnbuckle and nothing was cued, like, right away. I thought the cue could have been a little bit quicker. But... Then they cued CM, uh, Seth Rollins to come to the ring. Now, what is your take? Because so something got brought up that Seth Rollins is still in gimmick when he was when he made his entrance. Instead of making a beeline straight to the ring and getting eye to eye with CM Punk, he still had his like Joker esque gimmick. Well, I mean, that he shows he's that he's he is who he is. He doesn't Do need to be out of have... gimmick. No, absolutely not. You need to stop listening to Busted Open. I don't know. I don't know. Whose opinion was that? I think it was a few. It was Bully and uh, Mark Henry. I I do not care that Seth Rollins came out and was Seth Rollins. Okay. Okay. But he got face-to-face with CM Punk regardless. And Seth Rollins told him not to dare call WWE his home. Because he abandoned WWE. He actively tried to tear down WWE. And he said that that it's not CM Punk's home. It's his home, which I don't think he's wrong about in that scenario. I agree. I think that he's not wrong. And I love the eye contact that they had during this entire thing. You felt the tension between them. You felt that tension. Uh, you felt the intensity. And you just wanted to see it boil and boil and boil. Um, I was marking out there this entire time because this was something that I've been wanting to see. Uh, as many people wanted to see. So this face-to-face segment, I loved it. You know, I loved it. I didn't know what we were going to get. I didn't know if we were going to actually come to blows or if it was going to be a verbal battle or if maybe even somebody was going to walk out and just not say anything. If this does turn into a WrestleMania match, I think uh, the fans are going to be super split because on Monday Night Raw, you hear the fans singing Seth Rollins' theme song you also hear them chanting CM Punk. Yeah, it's going to be a huge split crowd. I mean, I feel like the heel would end up being CM Punk. I don't think to I don't think Seth. either of them are going to be heels in that scenario. I don't that well that's the thing. I feel like the only I mean with every with the history it would be, but they're both two huge faces. I don't think you need a heel versus a face at all. This could be two faces that just do not get along. Do yeah, and like Seth Rollins other. And they got to settle the score. And Rollins said that if CM Punk is going to be in WWE again, he wants it to be on Monday Night Raw and it's his last chance. He also said that he's going to show CM Punk what it means to be the best in the world. And then CM Punk declared himself or officially entered the Royal Rumble. And he said that when he wins it, maybe he's coming for Seth Rollins. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I think that this segment was huge. I think that having Seth Rollins and CM Punk main event night one or night two, and then on the other night, night one. And And I still still don't think CM Punk needs to win the Royal Rumble. 
if he's going to have a title shot, I want no, him to. I don't think he needs to at all. Cody Rhodes needs to be on SmackDown. He needs to face Roman Reigns and win the championship from Roman Reigns. There's what, yes, what, what uh, other uh, way well, are you getting Cody over to SmackDown? Has to be the back-to-back Rumble. They even mentioned back-to-back Rumble true. winners. It so has to be I, Cody. I would say that... Yeah, so, all right, so I see what you're saying. Because you definitely need Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns on night two with Cody becoming champion. So yeah. it makes sense that because of the split brands and stuff like that, that Cody Rhodes would have to uh, do that. Was there any returns for roster splits? There was already. It would be interesting if they found a way with like uh, Pierce and Aldis to get Cody over there, but it wouldn't make sense unless there's a trade involved. Like they've had trades in the past. Yeah, I don't know. See, it would Punk have to be could, the Royal Rumble or the or Punk a trade. Could, yeah, for Cody at least, Punk I think could win an Elimination Chamber or something. Yeah, could do no, like a qualifier. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I don't think that as long as you can pair CM Punk up with Rollins and Cody with Reigns, I think that is a solid all-star WrestleMania. 100%. Uh, well, later on, CM Punk but, ran into the Judgment Day and Damian Priest mentioned his Money in the Bank briefcase. And then Punk also ran into Drew McIntyre. Drew, I guess, is going to be getting a title shot against Seth Rollins at what they said was the day one edition of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. I guess, I think that might be January 2nd. Uh, And then Kofi Kingston said what's up to him. They had a funny exchange, and he said hello to Chad Gable and Ricochet, and then Adam Pearce brought Kofi. I I personally have, I've been marking out for every single um, everything, every single thing that's been taking place backstage with CM Punk and his interactions with Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, Kofi Kingston, Judgment Day, I've been marking out for every single one of them because they are just scenarios that you've oh, you've wanted to see, you were interested with seeing, but you couldn't because he wasn't a wrestler, and he wasn't well, he wasn't an active wrestler, and then he was with another company. And so now we're seeing all these interactions and I've, I'm eating all of it up backstage. I totally laughed for the Kofi Kingston because it's crazy. CM Punk hasn't been in WWE for the entire New Day as- aspects. Right. Also former, you know? uh, former tag team champions. Yeah, former tag but team champions. But the other way, I mean, when the last CM time... Punk returned to WWE and you're like, oh, I, I don't think so. I'm like, no, yeah. you're, you're 100% wrong. You are a hundred percent all on board, CM Punk. You don't need any well, winning over. I've I've always said I was a mark. It. Yeah, but no, this you didn't need any winning over at all. Exactly. Well, I mean, I'm, I've always said that I'm a I'm a CM Punk mark. But you, you know, said and I always try you to need deny to be one back over or something. I was like, that's there's no way. Yeah, I I saw how you reacted when CM Punk returned at at the event. So there's no way he he, run, he won me over when I had to grab Chris's arm. Yeah, <laughs> to get his attention. Also, you know, I gotta say, um, I'm not a fan but, of this remake of this song. I don't like this new version. I don't know. I did. I gotta listen to it a few times to really um, recognize. But I did like the Kofi Kingston stuff with the "Are Are Are You Jamaican" and stuff. And he's like, "I don't do that anymore." Like he's Jamaican me crazy. Yeah, the Jamaican me crazy. <laughs> like I thought that that was that was a 
really funny part. After that, we but, saw Bronson yeah, he, Reed pick up the victory over Ivar. I for think, the record, my favorite match of the night. I think they were talking about Intercontinental Champion stuff here. I'm not hundred percent sure. Gunter, yeah, I think Gunter was in the discussion during this aspect. So I don't know um, what they're going to be doing with Ricochet, Chad Gable, and Kofi Kingston there in regards to that. But I believe that, they were talking about that. So Ivar and Valhalla had a video promo air beforehand that I thought was good, and both of them, I think, continued to just be so entertaining. And I thought because yeah. of the hype video that we would see Ivar pick up the victory, but Bronson Reed hit that superplex off the top rope and picked up the victory off of that. Dude, there were so many points of this match. I mean, these guys are over 300 pounds doing moves that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Like, the this was by far my favorite matchup. I love Bronson Reed. Uh heard him in an interview saying how they would love to have a super heavyweight division at some point. And I think that that would be great. You know, you see the stuff that Ivar is doing. You see the stuff that Reed is doing. It's so entertaining. I mean, you're going to tell me that nobody watching pro wrestling, no pro wrestling fan was like, oh my God. When Bronson Reed and Ivar were on that turnbuckle about to do the superplex, that was in. Sane. You see when they land that both men, their backs just leave the mat w- upon impact. Like, this match was so much fun. I'm glad that we did have an outcome and it wasn't like a countout or anything like that. I love the part where there was one where both of them were on the opposite sides of the ring, where I think uh, Ivar was on one side outside of the ring. Reed was on outside of the other ring. That's what opposite and the camera... sides is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's usually what happens on opposite sides. And they're both looking at each other and like, you want to go? You want to go? And they're like, let's do this. And then they just met each other camera side for the meeting of the, um, the body... I don't know, body splash? No, flying press. You know, right into each other. Just cross body? so much... Cross body, that's it. Uh, both hitting each other with the crossbody. There was just so much fun with this match. So definitely my favorite match of the night. We saw the Judgment Day with an in-ring segment where they said that it doesn't matter if you've been dealt with them before. It doesn't matter if you're a returning superstar. It doesn't matter if you're new on the roster like the Creeds. They're basically putting everybody on notice. And then Dominic tried to speak. Obviously, he was booed. And R-Truth came out and mentioned how he wanted to decorate the clubhouse. And J.D. McDonough yelled at at uh, at R-Truth. And Damian Priest invited him in the ring to hear him out. The first suggestion Truth had was to kick J.D. McDonough out, which I thought was so funny. And, <laughs> and then, he, J.D. McDonough took offense. He was ready to go at it. <laughs> And then he told Damian Priest to stop calling himself the boss because it makes Rhea Ripley mad. And Damian uh, he Priest... He mommy. Yeah, well, whatever. I don't really <laughs> speak like that, so... Uh, and then Damian Priest said that everybody loves our truth except for him. And then they all jumped him, which was unfortunate. And the Creed tried to make the save. They also... They got stomped at first. Julius had this huge comeback. And he took Dominic, uh, J.D. McDonough, and Finn Balor out. And then they, I believe both of them took the Damian Priest out together. 
Yeah. But that was like a, a crazy comeback from Julius. Yeah, Julius was definitely impressive with this. After that, we saw Katana Chance and Caden Carter pick up the victory over The Way. This match should have been longer. I feel like The Way have just been floating around pretty much doing nothing. Or or nothing of note. Mm -hmm. To the point where I feel like WWE might need a secondary championship for the women. Hmm. Obviously, that would split up. Indy and, and Candice or, or just strictly have them in the tag division or something. But you have so many people. I feel like you could have like an intercontinental-esque championship for the women. And and get a, a secondary uh, title storyline going on. I I agree with you. What I... I think you would have to... The problem would be where to fit them on a constant basis... To keep well, them relevant. That's the whole thing here, though. Where, where, where's the way fit in? They they literally do nothing mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. It's Candice LeRae. She should not be doing nothing. So it's like... I just... I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After that, we saw Becky Lynch uh, wanting to call out Nia Jax. And they played a clip of Becky Lynch getting her nose broken... And she ran down her history with Nia Jax and how they never faced off one-on-one. And Nia Jax came out. They went back and forth on the mic. I liked uh, the line about that Nia Jax said about her making the man. I forget what the line was, but it was like, oh, and you'll you'll have to like live with the fact that I created the man or something like that. Yeah, she... Yeah, she... I thought that... I thought Nia Jax stood out in this entire thing, you know? Yeah. She was just, I thought she stood her ground and she had a rebuttal to everything about how she made the man. I mean, without her breaking her nose, there is no man. Yeah. And then Becky Lynch basically begged for Nia Jax to hit her and Nia Jax left. Yeah. She said, you need this more than I do. And just big old mic drop. And yet people will still deny Nia Jax. Yeah, yeah. Next up, you had DIY and The Miz picking up the victory over Imperium. Um, the Miz, I guess, continuing the storyline with Gunter. Storyline-wise, I get it with Gunter. DIY, they were like clearly like super confused on commentary given their whole history with The Miz. But it's just... They built up this whole thing, like, who will be their mystery partner? And I know it wouldn't be, like, a huge surprise or anything, but where the hell is Dexter Loomis? I I feel like by not having him, unless he's injured, and I don't know if he is or not. Mm -hmm. Unless, like, I don't, I don't understand Miz over Loomis. Why is, why are they not doing the way, the way? Yeah. It I don't get it, but I was really hoping for Loomis. We got Miz and I was kind of pretty disappointed with that. I thought the match was still decent though. Um, I liked yeah. the submission spot, but I did not think Gunter was tapping out. I, I thought Champa was also gonna uh lock Giovanni Vinci in a in a submission move, but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Gunter ended up tagging Vinci into the ring and Miz ended up hitting him with the skull crushing finale to pick up the victory. So it just sets up Miz versus Gunter. And I believe Gunter said, if you don't win, 
you're not getting the title shot again. So we are getting Miz versus Gunther again. The last time they faced off, it was a a really good match. So, yeah. I can't see, I still can't see the Miz defeating Gunther. I I wouldn't mind if the Miz tied Chris Jericho, but I think I I want the next champion to be Sheamus. And I don't know if he's injured or what's the deal with Sheamus or what, but. I mean, we recently saw him in the, uh, at that game. Yeah. You know. Big 12. The football game, so. Yeah, the Big 12. But next up, you had the main event of the evening. Cody Rhodes picking up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura. But it was by a DQ, some missed to the face. I like that uh, Cody was interviewed earlier, and he mentioned Stardust. That uh, Stardust actually debuted in the building they were in. But uh, as far as the match, I don't. I still don't understand why it took place so quickly. Obviously there was going to be some wonky finish because there's no way that it was just like a one and done sort of situation here. Mm-hmm. I thought the match was decent. I liked uh, Cody going for the the crossroads and Nakamura got out of it. And that's when that poison miss spot happened. And after that disqualification, Nakamura went out to grab a chair and who made the save? Don't understand this at all. The creeds. Yeah, talk about, I mean, a huge push. I don't get that at all. I, I don't understand. Like, the creeds were just doing stuff with Judgment Day. Why are they now involving themselves with Cody? Outside of the fact that that the creeds were a, uh, a Dusty Cup winner. But we'll have to see what the relationship is between them. Uh, Nakamura ended up leaving and then came back and hit Cody Rhodes with the Kinshasa to close that, that episode of Monday Night Raw. So, yeah, I, I am glad that Nakamura did get the upper hand at the end of the day. Cause I think that what they're doing with Nakamura is incredible. I mean, they're even doing the videos again, you know, which they've been doing for the past weeks, but those like, uh, I don't know what kind of an animation to call it. It's not anime. I mean, you know, the those animations they're doing again. And I want to see Nakamura just light up this strong style aspect. And I feel like he is definitely hitting that stride where he's showing why he should still be considered as a threat to everybody on the roster. Yeah. And, and again, that promo that he cut last week about how they're like the same really opened my eyes. And I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Going back in time to NXT deadline, it... Opened up with the kickoff show. We saw Axiom pick up the victory over Nathan Fraser. I thought this was good action. The crowd was hot for it. I was not expecting the crowd to be as hot for this as they were. Mm-hmm. But uh, I-, I was blown away with the moves that Axiom was doing here. And I really hope he gets an updated move set in, in 2K24. Because some of the moves that he does, I don't even think are possible to do in the video game, so hopefully they figure it out. They probably won't, but after the match, Axiom offered up a handshake, and Nathan Fraser at first kind of like hit it away, but then shook it and gave him a hug, so it was friendly competition. I don't think there was any mm-hmm. follow-up this week on, on NXT TV, but uh, the actual event opened with Shawn Michaels coming out using Triple H's lines, the Are You Ready line which I was 
confused about. And then CM Punk came out. It was rumored throughout the day. CM Punk uh, posted on, on Instagram or whatever saying my flight was canceled or something. Stuck here. Anything to do. And then Shawn Michaels invited him. He's like, oh, let's let's set up a talk or whatever. And Punk was like, oh, well, let, let me show up in person then. So he showed up wearing yeah. a Bret Hart hoodie, which Shawn Michaels mentioned, and I thought that was funny. And they teased, I, I, uh-huh. they teased him signing to NXT, which, like, obviously he's not. But it was still a fun segment. It was very, very bizarre to see that. Yeah, I was very happy to see that. I mean, of course, I saw the message from um, from CM Punk earlier. So it started the talk of, is he going to be there? And then him showing up there was awesome. I was very happy to see him on NXT because it's showing that, hey, he's a man of his word. Maybe he will sign with NXT. Maybe, most likely, no. But... It was still cool to see that he was actually there to get people to talk and everything. I know they, they sell signed posters at the events. I, I, I think they still sell them. I'm not 100% sure. I know they sell them online at least, but I assume they still sell them at the shows. It would kind of annoy me that Shawn Michaels and CM Punk are most likely not on that poster, like signature-wise. Which obviously would make sense because uh, it's like you're not expecting Sean to be there. You're certainly not really expecting CM Punk to be there. Yeah. So. But uh, after that, the first match was Dragon Lee picking up the victory over Dominic Mysterio to become the new North American champion. Rhea Ripley was supposed to be there, but she was not. Yeah. Which is something that I think Dominic mentioned on NXT this week. Or backstage on Monday Night Raw or backstage after Deadline. I'm not 100% sure where I saw that. But uh, Rey Mysterio was in the corner of Dragon Lee. He did commentary. I think Booker T hyping up Dominic to Rey Mysterio was very funny on commentary. Because what he was saying was pretty heelish. Yeah, it, it just sucks because, I mean, going into the matchup, I, I believe she was adver- advertised to be there on, yeah, well, not advertised, but on was, the yeah. card, you know? So for her not to be there, I that's a huge game changer because obviously I don't think both of us would even pick Dom to come out as the winner if she wasn't going to be there, you know? Rhea is a game changer, and this only shows how much of a game changer she is when it comes to Judgment Day. Um, I was, I was very super surprised. split about it though, because like, on one hand, it's like I wish Dragon Lee didn't win, but also, I'm I'm happy that Dragon Lee is champion because he's a fantastic superstar. Yeah, and we really didn't have um, Dragon Lee at NXT all too much. Well, who knows what we're gonna get with Dragon Lee now? At least, yeah, I I'm, I I'm good with it. I'm okay with all of that taking place. And I, I think we said that, it last week, though, when we knew Rhea Ripley was going to be there, that it seemed like he was walking out as champion. Yeah. As soon as he was the replacement for Wes Lee and Rey Mysterio announced it, there was no way he was walking out without the championship. Yeah. And as far as the match goes, I thought there... I, I felt like it kind of lacked. I feel like it needed more action. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
After that, we saw Blair Davenport pick up the victory in the Iron Survivor Challenge. So she'll get a title shot at New Year's Evil. Uh, Fallon Henley and Blair Davenport started the match. Which I did not like the whole pin, pin, pin thing. I hate when they do the pin, pin, pin stuff. Yeah, I I am not a fan when stuff like that happens. It's very rare these days that I like that. But Tiffany Stratton was out after that. Blair Davenport basically stole a point from Tiffany Stratton right before Kalani Jordan came out. Uh, We saw Fallon Henley get a pin over Tiffany Stratton. Lash Legend was out last. And she got into that match and was a complete powerhouse. I don't like the spot where she stacked up Fallon Henley on Tiffany Stratton and somehow got two points. Instead of Fallon Henley getting one point, because it's like you're yeah, not. I think that's yeah. Like I don't think her shoulders were down. I could be mistaken, but Metaphor ended up showing up to block the penalty box, and they ended up getting out by climbing from the the through the top, which we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And Fallon Henley ended up getting pushed off the top by Tiffany Stratton through the commentary table, and then. Tiffany Stratton jumped off onto Metaphor and Blair Davenport with the Swanton. I like that she, like, she's so new and still, like, does those crazy spots and just goes for it. Yeah. But I, I was a big fan of this, this match. I thought that it was exciting. And I'm happy that Blair Davenport is the winner of this contest. Yeah. You know, but... That also... Kalani Jordan hit that 450 splash, and I thought she was about to get two points and pin, uh, I think, would have been Blair Davenport and Tiffany Stratton, but that didn't happen. And uh, Blair Davenport got the lead and, and got the victory, and she cut a promo afterwards on Lyra Valkyria, who showed up to do it like a, a stare-down gimmick and hold up the title. And Cora Jade attacked her. She made a return like we hypothesized last week. Yeah, I mean, she was slated to potentially be there or make an appearance, but we didn't know how, and we they found out how real QR quickly code. after that. We knew it was going to be during this match. There was no way she wasn't. Yeah. And uh, she basically, she did an interview later on and put everybody on notice. Mm-hmm. We saw Carmelo Hayes pick up the victory over Lexus King. For me, I don't know about you, they spent way too much time on the outside. But I like the match. Um, definitely spent a lot of time on the outside. Definitely, you know, I understand that. But I am happy that I wanted Lexix King to win, but I understand Carmelo Hayes winning, of course. But the way that they went about it after with Lexix King getting onto the mic and admitting that he wasn't the person who is in charge of the attack. It wasn't him, but he thanks Carmelo Hayes for the PLE match. The PLE spotlight. Yeah, PLE spotlight. And I thought you this, know? this whole segment, I thought outside of like the, the going outside too much, Lexus King worked very aggressive in this. And and like you said, I well, I, I thought that Lexus King should have won and I would have liked for that jealousy thing to build up with Carmelo Hayes. But when Lexus King grabbed the microphone and, and said that, I'm like, yeah. well, 
there it is. That all makes sense. And now I don't mind that he lost because he got the last words. Yeah, I totally good by it. And I love that he showed that he could be so manipulative that he's he'll say whatever it takes to get what he wants. And what he wanted was that spotlight, spotlight. at yeah. the PLE. And Trick Williams backstage said that he owed Carmelo Hayes an apology and he shouldn't have let um, Lexus King get, get in his head. And then we saw the actual match where Trick Williams won the Iron Survivor Challenge. It started with Jack. It started with Josh Briggs. They were basically doing the whole, like, anything you could do, I could do better thing for, for big guys. And big guys who move like little guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked Vic Joseph on commentary questioning whether or not they should be conserving their energy instead of going full speed at one another. Because mm-hmm. when you're in an Iron Survivor Challenge, that's what, 25 minutes long? And you're the t- first two out? Maybe you should be, so I like. Yeah, you that. don't realize was... how long those matches are. Yeah, but Jack got a point just as Tyler Bate came out and... When Josh Briggs got out of the penalty box, he ends up throwing Tyler Bate out of the ring. He attacks Dijak to gain a point. Mm-hmm. Tyler Bate, I want—I really did want to see more stuff against the big guys here, but he he did this, the the standard stuff that that Tyler Bate you would expect to see him do. I know he did attack Dijak. He got a point off of a, a pin from Dijak. I think he could have done more though. So, um, yeah, but I, I could definitely agree with that. Trick Williams was out next. Uh, the step up clothesline from, from trick to die Jack off of Josh Briggs's back. I thought was cool. Yeah. And then we saw Tyler Bate get the, the lead after hitting the Tyler driver 97 on trick Williams. Braun breaker was out last and cleaned house. Hmm. He hits a spear on Josh Briggs. He had a spear on Tyler Bate. He had a spear on Dijak. Three points in a row. He locked Trick Williams in the Steiner recliner. And uh, we saw the penalty box get into a brawl at that point. I like that part. I like the part where everybody in the penalty box just started going at it. Yeah, and we saw Tyler Bate actually tie Braun Breaker after the, uh, the Frankensteiner spot. Braun hit Dijak with the Frankensteiner, and Tyler Bate landed it with the powerbomb. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. You know, out of everything, you thought that he was going to pick up the victory, but, I mean, he was going to pick up the pinfall, but it got stolen from him. And we saw Dijak. It it looked really smooth, too. Very much so. They called it the Tyler Driver 97. I I don't subscribe to that. But uh, mm-hmm. Dijak and Josh Briggs ended up like teaming up for a bit, and they both hit their moonsaults on Trick Williams and Braun Breaker at the same time, and they also both got points from that. So that tied up Dijak, Braun Breaker, and Tyler Bate, and then Trick got speared through the barricade. You thought maybe that's like it for Trick, but that wasn't the case. Braun Breaker got choke slammed through the table at one point. Eddie Thorpe showed up to distract Dijak and uh, Trick ends up getting two points and then reversed 
uh, Tyler Bate to tie it up. And with literally seconds left on that clock, Trick Williams need Braun Breaker when Braun Breaker went for the spear and he got that victory. Yeah, just in the nick of time, you know. And then we saw later on Josh Briggs was was pissed off about losing that match and Metaphor showed up to make fun of them and it turned into a brawl, which that then gets turned into a match, which I'll talk about in a moment. I, I did love uh, Briggs and Dijak during this entire match. Yeah. I, These matches are good, and I hope this makes it. This is the second, well, technically, I guess, fourth time that we've seen this, and I hope it gets added to 2K24. I don't know I mean, necessarily I, if it will or what, but. I don't know, but something I really marked out for was, I believe it was Briggs, uh, where he did that um, that ricochet move off of the, where he tosses a person against the ropes from the outside and lariats them. Yeah. Uh, I forgot who he did it to, maybe Tyler Bate, but it just looked nasty. It looked like it hurt, like it was hard, and I was like, holy crap. But then the entire time with him and Dijak, I also got vibes of like, what if this was a tag team at some point, Dijak no. and, and uh, Briggs? No. You know, these two, I don't know, if they if they don't do anything at, with them... I, I'm totally for a tag team of two people that are over six foot. Uh, what are they? Over six foot four? I don't need them to split up Brooks and Jensen. I think Briggs that Brooks and Jensen, and Jensen are the Jesus, I always say Brooks and Jensen. Yeah, I don't. Briggs. Yeah, it's because the guy's name is Brooke. Yeah, so. I I but think Briggs that they are Jensen on their are both big dudes, too. So it's like the, the same thing. No, I think that they're on their way to Splitsville anyways. I mean, we saw their know. promo last week and the time before. They're on their way to Splitsville. Well, after that, we I saw Kiana that. James pick up the victory over Roxanne Perez in that steel cage match. Earlier in the night, we saw Kiana James actually at WWE headquarters. And then she like drove off to the arena. I don't know why that was added in there. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a... It was cool to see the the headquarters from what we got to see at least, because it's not like we get to see much from the the new thing. There's no Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, but That's the true. cage match I thought was kind of slow. Very big showcase for Kiana James here. I liked uh, the pop rock spot after the two power bombs into the cage. I thought that was nice. But we saw mm-hmm. Kiana James go grab a steel chair. Roxanne Perez ducked it and then went for the chair herself. And uh, she tried to close the door, but then Izzy Dame showed up and smashed the door into her face. And Kiana James used that chair and hit her finisher with the chair. And uh, I saw some people on Twitter being like, who is that? Are we supposed to know who that is? And it's like, do you not watch the product? Izzy uh, Izzy Dame has been showing up in Kiana James's corner for maybe a month or so now, maybe even longer. So I thought that was like a weird thing to complain about. Sometimes people will just complain for the sake of complaining though. And then the main event, we saw Ilya Dragunov pick up the victory over Baron Corbin to retain the NXT championship, which I thought was a good match, but I felt like it was missing something. And I feel like overall this whole show felt like that. I don't know why. I kind of 
felt like this match was missing something too where I wasn't invested in it. I didn't care for it. Maybe it was because I saw Dragunov winning, but or maybe there were just too many matches on the card that were so high oh. exhil- uh, right. adrenaline pumping and high exhilaration because having so many gimmick matches can take a lot away from what's coming later on. Well, I but I just wasn't well, yeah, into I that guess, main I mean, event. Yeah, they do have like the no rules in the Iron Survivor, and then there is the cage match, so... Yeah, you know. But uh, I liked the spot where Corbin hugged Dragunov as like a callback to NXT last week. I thought that was that was nice. But they beat the hell out of each other. And I liked Baron Corbin using that dragon sleeper. I feel like we don't really see submissions from him all that much. Yeah. I'm very surprised that the fans didn't chant, you messed up when Dragunov went for that powerbomb on Corbin. But I like that it looked like he was just so out of it that he couldn't get Corbin up for it. So, mm-hmm. but he eventually hit it. He got that second wind and he hit Corbin with, I think it was three H bombs. And instead of pinning him, he hugged Corbin and hit that torpedo Moscow to pick up the victory. Yeah. And then but... Trick Williams came out to stare Dragonoff out, uh, Dragonoff down and. Not at the same time, but also at the same time, Carmelo Hayes was, like, behind Trick. Yeah, walking out behind him. I mean, you had the logo up on the screen, and as we've come to find out, that logo means nothing this day and age. And you see him just slowly walking up behind him, and then it fades out. Then you move on to NXT, where you open up with Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes arriving to the Performance Center with media, like, bombarding them. And Carmelo Hayes left Trick Williams to do all the media gimmick and then went in. And then it oddly cut off into a recap of Deadline. And when they came back, Carmelo Hayes was in the back taken out, holding his knee. And he was checked out by the doctor and the doctor was like, everything seems fine. And Melo said that he doesn't know who did it, but he knows who's attacked him like that previously and he'll get to it. Which we'll we'll put a pin in. Yeah, pin that. We see Cora Jade come out and she spoke about the Iron Survivor Challenge. Put everybody over in it. I, I thought that was nice. And she said that nobody was talking about them though. At the end of the day, everyone was talking about her. And Lyra Valkyria showed up. Blair Davenport showed up. Nikita Lyons showed up. And just when it looked like Cora Jade and Blair Davenport would jump Lyra Valkyria. You have that save from Nikita. Yeah. And it led to a brawl. It turned into a tag match later on, which again, we'll talk about. It was the main event. Yeah. We saw the first match of the evening. Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen, and Fallon Henley pick up the victory over Metaphor. We saw Metaphor attack them before the bell. And they kept cheating throughout the match. Throughout the entire match, I it makes I mean, I think it totally fits yeah. everything. But Tiffany Stratton showed up at know. one point and that took Fallon Henley out of the match, which I was like, okay, that's probably it. Noam Dar hits the, the Nova roller on, on Brooks Jensen. Josh Briggs ends up tagging in, cleans house. 
I liked him throwing Oro Mensa into Noam Dar. So Noam Dar had him in like a, a DDT position. And then Briggs just went with that, that big boot and hit that clothesline on on uh, Noam Dar, I think. I think Noam yeah. Dar to pick up that victory. I think it was. So I thought that was a, a great ending to that match. And then Tiffany Stratton spoke about Fallon Henley later on. And Josh Briggs spoke about how he should go get the challenge for the Heritage Cup, which kind of seemed like Brooks Jensen wanted a, a, a shot at the Heritage Cup. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, well, you're not really like, that's not really you, though. But then he eventually agreed with Josh Briggs. So Briggs, I guess, is going to go for the, the Heritage Cup. But all that, I think, is uh, I thought that was a, a fun opening contest. I mean, that only adds to why I feel like they're down to separate. Uh, yeah, well, I, don't, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. But next up, you had Obafemi pick up the victory over Miles Bourne to advance in the men's breakout tournament. Um, I think uh, this, wait, before this wasn't happened. Wasn't it the other way around? Didn't. Oh, no, Osborne. Yeah. Before I, this happened, though, when they introduced yeah. all the competitors, uh, Alexis King attacked one of them and and took them out with a chair. And the match itself, I thought, was somewhat of a quick match. It's not the first time we've seen Obafemi. It's not the first time we've seen no, but Miles Bourne. It's been... Obafemi. Uh, it's been months beast. since we've seen Obafemi, Yeah. He is fantastic in the ring. Yeah, uh, very impressive. I could see Obafemi winning this whole thing. You know what? I'm not to cut ahead, but Keanu Carver. I mean, yeah, I know he lost. We'll get to that. But the both of them, they have a, such a huge physique that I could see them going pretty far. But well, obviously, I mean, with out, everything so. that took place, Obafemi. <laughs> He's going to be my pick. And then later on, Ava spoke with Lexus King, and she's like, you know what? Everyone in the tournament now wants you, so they could fight you. You're in. You're replacing Trey Bearhill. So Lexus King now, like, I, I spent time saying, oh, I think Oba Femi can win this whole thing. However, with Lexus King added to this, I think it's going to be Lexus King winning this. I don't. I could see it. I kind of don't want it to be it's because like he's the already ultimate, established, though. I'm not really established, though. Ava said, "I still That's don't true. understand why Ava's in the position she's in." But she said it. She's like, "Well, since you are new, like you are pretty new." He's only had like what three matches or something in WWE so far, on TV at least. Um. So if so. Earlier in the night, though, we saw Dragon Lee interviewed, and he said that Saturday was a dream come true for him, and if it wasn't for Wesley's injury, he wouldn't have had that opportunity, and he wants to defend the championship as much as possible like Wesley did. So they're going to do open challenges or whatever, and the first person to accept that open challenge was Tyler Bate, and I feel like nobody cared that Tyler Bate was the challenger. So, I gotta say, I I didn't care. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good match, but I definitely wasn't thinking that Dragon Lee was losing to Tyler Bate. 
And I hope we get more like surprises when it comes to future challengers. We saw Drew Gulak except for next week, but we don't know which one of them it'll be. So Dragon Lee versus either Drew Gulak, um, uh, Charlie Dempsey, or Damon Kemp, or maybe even, I I assume not, uh, Mm. Miles Bourne. But we'll see what happens with that next week. Yeah, We saw Eddie Thorpe pick up the victory over Dijak via disqualification. This was uh, a crazy... I don't even know how long the segment was, but this was crazy. Because they brawled before the bell. Dijak at one point got busted open. And then he slammed Eddie Thorpe into the corner and the, the turnbuckle exploded. And then he beat him with that that turnbuckle, and that that's what caused Leading the disqualification. To, yeah, the DQ. I mean, I'm totally fine. Like, I'm totally fine with Dijak losing this way to Thorpe as well. Thorpe is definitely um, a credible opponent, but if Dijak's going to lose, to have him lose coming off of the pay per view in a, well PLE in this sort of a fashion, I dig it. But what's next for them? Like, I don't know what else you could do. I mean, I don't want to see a cage match. Yeah, we had the 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 strap match. I don't know what else is next in their in their story. Yeah. So we saw Chase U, Andre Chase updated us on on their charities and stuff. They they did a bake sale to only get sixty six dollars. <laughs> they did a car wash, which got $245, and that left them with still like $300,000 in debt or something like that. Uh, and then Scripps or Reggie had a, a proposition for Andre Chase. What it is, I have no idea. And Yeah, uh, we don't know. What? Yeah. No, we don't know what could happen with all of that. I mean, Reggie's not known for as being like a wealthy gimmick or anything like that you know well i mean he was uh, the sommelier so sommelier i wonder if that would be interesting to play into factor i don't think it will but yeah uh but then thea hale and jc jane left to go watch riley osborne compete in the men's breakout tournament and pick up the victory over keanu keanu carver like you had said before Osborne uh, was previously part of NXT UK as Josh Morrell, so I was surprised when they showed him last week because I did not think he was still in WWE. I I kind of wanted Carver to win. I didn't understand how Osborne. I mean, he picked up the victory with a shooting star. I thought but... with the given that Chase U was out there with the support and everything that Osborne would win, but. Carver was an absolute beast in that match. That pounce was fantastic. Exactly. But Osborne, I think Osborne had a nice comeback. And I'm, I think I've been a fan of Josh Morrell on NXT UK. So I'm glad that he's being shown on, on NXT TV now. And I like this match I mean, way more than the other match. Yeah. And then we saw Thea Hell get all tongue tied when she spoke to, uh, Riley later on and mm-hmm. Kiana James and Izzy Dame approached JC and Thea and made fun of them and that sets up a tag match I think for next week 
But the main event, we saw Cora Jade and Blair Davenport pick up the victory over Nikita Lyons and and, uh, Lyra Valkyria. Tatum Paxley showed up during this. She also, there was a a segment where uh, Lyra was looking at her locker. She's got a picture of her and Becky Lynch in there. But Tatum Paxley's got her face over the picture. (laughs) So she showed up. Very, very creepy. I think this match again, much like the the deadline event, I feel like this match could have been better. But I guess um, they had to get to the final segment. They didn't have more time to spend on this match. I guess so. I mean, I'm not the biggest Nikita fan. She was barely so... in this to even like judge though. Exactly. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of hers, but I am curious with everything that happened after the match with Valkyria, you know? Well, Blair Davenport did the damage and Cora Jade walked right into the pin to to get the, the victory over Lyra Valkyria. And then Tatum Paxley threw Nikita Lyons out of the ring to be, like, protective, I guess, over um, Lyra. And she got into her face, which, like, in, like, a very creepy way. So I don't, I really don't know where this is leading to between the two of them. At mm. all. And then NXT closed with Trick Williams where he put over the Iron Survivor Challenge. And then Dragonoff came out and brought up the promo from a few weeks ago when Trick thanked him for pushing him to the next level. And he also put Trick over for the Iron Survivor Challenge. And Trick said that he's going to win the championship. Ilya said that he's doing whatever it takes to remain champion. And then we take that pin. Carmelo Hayes comes out and accused Ilya Dragunov of attacking him. And Dragunov, uh, he questioned if Carmelo Hayes even got attacked. And Hayes got into like a tug of war with Ilya Dragunov over the championship because he quote unquote does not deserve to be champion. Wasn't, wasn't Dragunov in the ring or in the... Yeah, they were both in the ring here. No, no, not in the ring, but when the attack happened. No. Like, wasn't he doing something with Corbin at the time of the attack, and then they went backstage to the attack? Oh, I don't even, I don't know. I don't remember, but I feel like... Probably not. I feel like that'd be stupid if that's how they wrote it. Exactly. That's the thing. That's why I I have to go back and check then, because that's standing out for me for some reason. But they got into that tug of war, and it clocked... It ended up Carmelo Hayes like ripped it and it clocked Trick Williams in the face. It's Carmelo Hayes. He's guilty. He obviously wasn't attacked this week on on NXT. So, yeah, I don't I don't for one second believe it. I still think we're getting that CCTV or whatever where it's Triple H and they they unblur it. They they, they hyper focus the the footage or whatever you say, and it reveals to be Carmelo Hayes. But that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. It opened up with the bloodline. Roman Reigns put this long list of things together about someone he was about to be put over or someone that he was about to be putting over. And Jimmy was pretty much preparing for it to be about him. Roman Reigns even said that the the person's going to be the next in line, basically, as head of uh, the table. And it turned out to be Solo Sokoa that he was talking about. And that was a funny part to to see Jimmy realize that 
He was talking about Solo. But Randy Orton interrupted this and he said that he's been thinking about this moment for 18 months and basically just said that he's coming for Roman. And it starts on this episode. He's going to end it at the Royal Rumble and he's officially challenging Roman Reigns for a championship match at the Royal Rumble. And then Roman Reigns clapped back. He's like, huh, I haven't thought about you at all. And Randy Orton called Roman Reigns a legend. He's like, in this time that I've been gone, I've been watching you. I see that. I see that you're a legend. And he attempted to RKO him out of nowhere, but Roman Reigns escaped that. And and Randy Orton was like, well, maybe you should be thinking about me. And I thought that was a great segment. I thought the, the RKO tease and everything with, with him calling him a legend, I thought that was great. First match of the evening saw Carmelo Hayes pick up the victory over Grayson Waller to advance in the United States Championship Tournament. Great spotlight for Carmelo Hayes. I was not expecting Carmelo Hayes to win this at all. But the match itself I thought was good. That overdrive, whatever the the move that Grayson Waller did from the middle of the rope, uh, from the middle rope, not the middle of the rope, I thought was a fantastic thing. It was like an over, over drive. I don't know how to describe it. Corey Graves was like, I don't even know what to call that. I really don't know what to call it either. (laughs) But uh, it seemed like a move that would have ended the match and it did not end the match. But like I said, given that Carmelo Hayes is still on NXT, I was surprised to see him advance. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of Carmelo Hayes on the main roster. We saw Kevin Owens, even though... I still believe he took out Trick Williams. Kevin Owens picked up the victory over Austin Theory to advance in that tournament. Kevin Owens has a broken wrist and a cast on his arm. So that was a factor of the match. I couldn't fully get into the match for some reason. But I do like that that wrist was not a big factor, but somewhat... Well, no, I have to say a big factor because it ended the match. Throughout the match, it was like minor factors, but obviously that that last move that was a major thing. But I like the the cannonball that Kevin Owens did. It was uh, he had Austin Theory in a tree of woe position, so I thought that was cool. He hit the Swanton, and I'm thinking that's about to be it. But Austin Theory surprisingly kicked out of that. He stomped Kevin Owens's wrist. On the steel steps outside, he tried to wrestle the cast off in the ring. And Kevin Kevin Owens got out and clocked Austin Theory with it. And that there's that major factor. He picked up the victory off of that. The referee did see it, so I don't understand how it was uh, not a disqualification. I can't remember in my head. We just saw that somewhere else with a cast where it should have been a DQ, but it, it I don't understand. But uh, Cameron Grimes backstage congratulated Kevin Owens afterwards. Kayla Braxton interviewed him about facing Carmelo Hayes next week, and Carmelo showed up and basically said that he needs the title way more than Kevin does, and he's going to do everything in his power to advance in that tournament. We saw a carry and cross vignette, which was shot very well. But he said that they're at the beginning and everything is about to crumble. Not quite sure. I I don't know where it's going to lead to, but I we've seen this a lot 
from him. So hopefully this actually is the start of something. We also got a damage control video where Bailey spoke about this big master plan of hers and how everything that she's wanted is happening. And she wants them to hold all the, chi- the, the titles. She wants the Kabuki Warriors to win the tag team championships. She's going to win the Royal Rumble and take the title from Rhea Ripley. I don't know if we'll see that. I would love to see all that. It seems more like damage control will turn on Bailey. But uh, on, a, on a side note, an unfortunate side note, Charlotte Flair is going to be out for nine months. So now we'll see other people step up in, in her place at least. But very unfortunate that she's out for that long. And we saw the Kabuki Warriors pick up the victory over Mia Yim and Zelina Vega. They attacked the Kabuki Warriors before the match. And I think Mia Yim and Zelina Vega look good here. but And it wasn't a one-sided match, but there was no way Damage Control wasn't winning this match. And Dakota Kai got involved. She she distracted the referee. And when the referee was distracted, Bailey came out, dumped Mia Yim off the top rope. And that led to the end of the, the match. So I am really enjoying this damage control version 2.0 or 3.0, I guess, at this point. And I really don't want to see them break up. But it seems like it'll lead there eventually. Santos Escobar cut a promo... Uh, he spoke about being screwed out of the U.S. championship originally by Rey Mysterio, and now Rey Mysterio is out because of that. And he moved on to Bobby Lashley, basically said that he's going to win the whole tournament and right the wrong that he did, that he created. Santos Escobar is the reason why Logan Paul is champion. He goofed and left those, those brass knucks in the ring. So, I thought that was that was good. I like that, the whole full circle thing. But Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits spoke after that, and he basically said that Santos is just standing in his way of the United States Championship. The main event of SmackDown saw Randy Orton pick up the victory over Jimmy Uso, and I don't know if it's the storyline that they're going to be portraying or going with, but Randy Orton missed two of his signature moves in this match. He did eventually hit both of them, but maybe they're going to portray that he's lost a step and that's how he'll lose to Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Maybe. We saw Solo Sokoa make his way out during this match and LA Knight almost instantly showed up to attack uh, Solo Sokoa and take him down. He joked earlier with Randy Orton asking him when he should show up to make the save. And Randy Orton was able to drop Jimmy Uso with the RKO to pick up the victory. And L.A. Knight walked towards the ring. Afterwards, Roman Reigns took him out. And then he got in the ring. After a short stare down, him and Randy Orton went to a brawl. Uh, Jimmy hopped back in. And L.A. Knight got back in to try to make the save. Solo took him down. And then AJ Styles' music hit. And he showed up from behind. Hit the phenomenal forearm on, on Roman Reigns. And... The, the bloodline retreated. And just at the very last second, AJ Styles took LA Knight out, which was unexpected as heck. And I don't know why that happened, but obviously we'll find out. 
But AJ Styles was in phenomenal shape, no pun intended there, and uh, that's SmackDown. Going to take a quick little break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is Drew Gulak, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 671. Moving over to AW Rampage from last week, we saw Orange Cassidy. Pick up the victory over Angelico to retain the international championship. Um, definitely always surprising to see Angelico on AEW television because I f- feel like he's had less than five matches on TV in AEW this year. Uh, and I don't think he's won a single match. So why he gets a title shot is beyond me. I don't know if it was it some sort of open challenge. I don't know how that works. Um, they aired some Ring of Honor footage, but I don't watch Ring of Honor. I don't follow Ring of Honor. So that doesn't do anything for me. And I really could have done without the goofy antics of this, but, uh, on the outside of the ring, but, uh, outside of that, I thought it was a decent match. I thought the orange punch that finished it was uh, a nice orange punch. After that, Abaddon picked up the victory over Trisha Dora. I don't think... I would have put this match on the same show as the first match because they both had like comedy-esque spots. But uh, especially not one after the other. But I still enjoyed the match. Um, I st- still don't think this builds Abaddon up for a TBS title match. Julia Hart showed up afterwards, so they're clearly teasing that between Abaddon and Julia Hart, but... Abaddon beating a bunch of random competitors just doesn't, I don't think, I don't think that sets her up against Julia to me. After that, the Don Callis family picked up the victory over Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. Uh, I said that, (laughs) Seidel weird, but a decent match. I don't know how this sends a message to the Golden Jets because it's not like, Hobbs and Takeshita ran through Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. But I enjoyed the match. I'm enjoying Christopher Daniels and Seidel being on television more and more. Um, So hopefully we do get more of that. Main event saw Brian Danielson pick up the van victory over Daniel Garcia to gain points in the Continental Classic. And I think up until this match, I think it's safe to say that this episode was a glorified AEW Dark. And when I think of tournaments like this, I think this is what this is what I picture the tournament to look like. And I, I liked this match. I liked how Daniel Garcia maybe could have won, but he at the last second he decided to dance and Brian took him out with those knees. Garcia kicked out of that, and then Brian stomped him, locked to the label lock, and then uh, eventually choked Daniel Garcia out to pick up the victory. Matt Menard, I think, added a lot on commentary for that episode of of Rampage. And I very much so enjoyed Matt Menard on commentary throughout the the night. AEW Collision saw Eddie Kingston pick up the victory over Claudio Castagnoli to gain points in the Continental Classic. Uh, I feel like we've seen versions of this match so many times since Claudio's gotten to AEW. But I think, for me at least, this was probably their best 
match. And Claudio controlled the majority of it. I was definitely not expecting Eddie Kingston to pick up that victory. But I'm glad Eddie Kingston picked up that win. Because he definitely needed points. Willow Nightingale picked up the victory over Mercedes Martinez. Diamante got involved to help Mercedes out. Uh, Willow was able to regain all of the control. And then they beat her down afterwards. Diamante pulled out the smallest ladder ever, which was weird. Why is that under the ring? I don't even know what that would be used for. But uh, they used that on her, and Chris Atlander made the save, so I'm assuming that's going to set up some sort of tag team match. Uh, Wardlow picked up the victory over Willie Mack. Again, please stop booking Willie Mack like this. He's way too talented to be to be like a person fed to Wardlow to build Wardlow up when he's already supposed to have already been built up. It's not that's not necessary. We saw Kenny Omega pick up the victory over Ethan Page. Uh, I'm glad that this wasn't the main event, but this was a, a really good match and could have been the main event had Brian Danielson and Andrade not been in the, the main event spot. And it was nice to see Ethan Page wrestle again. I assume we'll see him again in four to five months or something like that. We saw Big Bill attack Kenny Omega afterwards. Uh, and then Ethan Page like hobbled up to check on Kenny. And I thought that was a nice touch. We saw Commander and Penta pick up the victory over 3.0. This was really just a waste of a match. And I feel like it only really happened because they were in Canada and 3.0s from where they were even though they didn't get the victory. Main event saw uh, Andrade pick up the victory over Brian Danielson to gain points at the Continental Classic. They aired a backstage segment with Lana and Miro earlier, which was such a weird segment, and it's not something that I would have expected to see on television in 2023. Uh, I, I'm already, like, not a fan of this Miro character, and that just, like, adds to it. I'm just, I I wasn't a fan of that at all. But the match, uh, Brian, his eye got busted open at one point, And it literally went all over the internet that he got injured even worse than he had already been injured with his orbital bone. Um, clearly not the case at all because he wrestled the Rampage taping with Daniel Garcia after this match and he was perfectly fine. But I liked that Andrade checked on Brian afterwards. The Blackpool Combat Club came out and pushed him away. So they weren't happy with it. But Andrade was clearly like showing that he was compassionate, I guess. He was showing emotion towards Brian Danielson. And I, like I said, this was a, a great main event. This was 100% what I want out of the Continental Classic. Uh, AEW Dynamite, we kicked off with Samoa Joe cutting a promo. He wants answers for what happened last week. And he thinks it's Hangman, which I don't know why you would make Samoa Joe look stupid like that by making him think that. But Hangman came out, said Samoa Joe is wrong, and he doesn't care about MJF. The Kingdom and Roderick Strong came out. Roddy again said that it's MJF. And then Hangman got pushed by Roddy. Hangman knocked him down. We go into the match where Hangman picks up the victory over Roderick Strong. 
This was Hangman's first match since Full Gear. The Kingdom got involved behind the referee's back, um, which is funny because I saw somebody say that AEW barely has outside interference and they didn't understand why that was a, a thing for the Continental Classic. And it was just like 10 minutes into the, the show, they have outside interference in the match. It's almost every match. They go to the outside of the ring or there's in, or there's outside of uh, interference. So I don't know what AEW that person was watching, but it's like, I don't think, like I keep saying this every week, I don't think there was a Continental Classic match that had not gone to the outside of the ring. But as far as this match goes, I thought it was a good match. A lot of moments where it looked like Adam Page would be screwed out of getting the victory. But last minute he hits that move and and wins the match. Andrade picked up the victory over Brody King to gain points in the Continental Classic. Uh, This match itself, uh, crazy. First of all, the last time Andrade wrestled on Dynamite, was August 2022, where he and Roosh kicked Dragon Lee out of LFI and then unmasked him, and then it was literally never spoken about again. So that's crazy that that's the last time Andrade wrestled, but I thought this was a good match. I was hoping that Andrade would win this, and I thought after he hit, uh, he didn't go for the pin after the back elbow, I thought that was it. I thought Brody King 100%. There's like there's 100% a reason why Andrade didn't pin. They're going to have Brody King do something. Boom. Pick up the victory. And they go to the top rope. And Andrade ends up DDTing Brody King on the exposed turnbuckle. I don't even remember Andrade taking the pad off. But it was the exposed turnbuckle. And then he hit another DDT to pick up the victory. I thought that was a great finish. And... Even though that was technically cheating by using the the, tur- the exposed turnbuckle, I still thought it was great. After that, backstage, the Von Erich family were interviewed. And uh, Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Danhausen interrupted. And then Orange Cassidy asked Marshall and uh, Ross to team with him on Rampage. They advertised this segment and hyped up this segment as the the Von Erichs return to Texas live on Dynamite. <laughs> and it was just this. It was a backstage. It was like 30 seconds long. <laughs> just uh, that. I don't, I don't get that at all. That was so, so goofy. After that, the Golden Jets uh, called out Ricky Starks. And Big Bill, the tag team champions. And the champions said that their problem is not with Kenny Omega, it's with Chris Jericho. And the Golden Jets ended up saying that they want a title shot at World's End. Overall, this segment, I think, had way more downs than ups. And this was not not a good segment. There were things that were falling flat left and right. They were calling it out that it fell flat. And then Jericho tried to get something that fell flat over. That It was just so cringe. Uh, Kenny Omega announced on Friday that he is actually out indefinitely. 
He posted a, a picture of him inside of a hospital room saying, I can't really sugarcoat this. I'm out indefinitely. I tried to keep pushing past the pain for as long as I could until it became too much. Luckily, doctors caught me when they did. I'll be here, so in the meantime, please enjoy wrestling. And uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported that it was diverticulitis, which is something that almost took Brock out. So hopefully Kenny Omega makes a full recovery. I guess World's End is off the table. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. That's uh, it's very unfortunate. After that, Riho picked up the victory over Ruby Soho. Tony Storm did commentary of this. The main point of this, I think, seemed like the main focus of this was Tony Storm. Like, why did she have... You're doing a, a match between two people. Why are you even doing the gimmick, oh, I'm ready for my close-up? To me, that's WCW. That's goofy. But Tony Storm, on commentary, I will say I enjoyed for the most part. Her not knowing Ruby Soho was wrestling because Ruby's hair was not green, I thought was funny. But the match itself was really just a bunch of nothing. And there was just no way Rio was losing her first match back in whatever many months. Especially when they're pushing hard to be the challenger for Tony Storm for some reason. After that, Roosh picked up the victory over Jay Lethal to gain points in the Continental Classic. Very happy that Roosh won. Jay Lethal, obviously right now he can't advance at all. Mathematically, he's he's out. So if Lethal beat him, I absolutely would have hated that. But Roosh made Jay Lethal tap out in a sleeper. I wish he like actually passed out instead of tapping. Because... Mox literally put Roosh in a sleeper and choked him out. And Roosh got pissed off. He's like, I didn't, I didn't tap out. That's not my loss. So I wish that's what happened instead of Jay Lethal actually tapping out. But I, I thought it was a decent match. We saw Jay Lethal, uh, not Jay Lethal, Jay White pick up the victory over Mark Briscoe to gain points in the Continental Classic. Jay White, I I say this over and over again, he cannot win one of the titles. He cannot compete in New Japan, so he cannot win the title. Why is Mark Briscoe not able to win a single match at all? I feel like that just buries Mark Briscoe. I don't understand that. I feel like that's so goofy. I don't understand that at all. But the main event we saw, John Moxley... Pick up the victory over Swerve to gain points in the Classic. I think this was a good match. I don't think it was as good as the matches from Collision last week. I just wish that Swerve won this. Yes, John Moxley stole the victory. But you built up Swerve for months now. No losses. I think it should have been swerved to get that that pin. Or at least have it go to a draw. But now John Moxley is at the top of the, the tournament. I think it was 12 points. Uh, and then it cuts to the back. Hangman Adam Page is, is shown fighting with the, the devil's goons, they call them. Four on one. And they slammed him onto a windshield of a car. 
Maybe that alludes to it being Jack Perry. A lot of people are saying, oh, there's glass in this one. There's glass in this one. There's glass in this one. I feel like it almost has to be Jack Perry. And I don't care if it's Jack Perry. Like I said a few weeks ago, with CM Punk showing up in WWE, he was the only person who could have been the devil that would have been a, a, a shock. So anyone else, I to me, is expected. But that's AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon, got any shout-outs? Hey there, pal, it's me, Mickey Mouse, and you're listening to Brandon Shoutouts. The first shout-out goes to Candy Cane Lane, which is a new movie on Amazon Prime starring Eddie Murphy and Tracy Ellis Ross. Based on the trailer, I thought it was going to be Eddie turning into Santa Claus, like the Santa Claus. But it's not quite like that. There's a big, like, uh, a competition for Christmas, like decorating. And Eddie's character wants to win the competition, and he finds a mysterious Christmas shop under the freeway. And he buys a bunch of things to help him win that contest, and a bunch of stuff unfolds. And I think it's a pretty good holiday movie and I feel like the plot is not like we've seen before so I would say definitely check it out like it's Christmas movies they're 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 similar but not mm-hmm. yeah and they're that, usually relatively the same stuff you know have you heard anything of this or no no well you could check it out on mm-hmm. Amazon Prime my next shout out goes to Jeffrey Foskett, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 67. He had anaplastic thyroid cancer, which I think just absolutely sucks. But he was a touring member of the Beach Boys and he toured with Brian Wilson. He served as the musical director, I think, eventually for both bands. And I don't think Brian Wilson could have toured had it not been for him being the, the musical director and everything. And he sang leads on on some Brian songs. He did Don't Worry Baby, Wouldn't It Be Nice, and a bunch of other songs. And I saw him uh, quite a bit throughout the years with Brian Wilson. I saw him with the Beach Boys. Um, and it's crazy how he became friends with Brian Wilson. He literally just knocked on Brian's door in the 70s. and that's And Brian invited him in. Which is like the craziest thing. The 70s. That's crazy. Like, could you imagine just, you're a fan of Brian Wilson, so you knock on his door and you, you want an autograph or something, and you he's there, and he's like, oh, come on in. That's just insane. And then you're friends, and he, you eventually become his musical director? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So It's wild. Uh, and then Andre Brower also, unfortunately, passed away this week at the age of 61. I know a lot of people know him from Homicide uh, in such a a serious role on Homicide, Life on the Street, and uh, the complete, I don't want to say opposite because he was still playing a very serious character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he was such an important part of that show and I literally can't picture anybody else in that spot to play Captain Raymond Holt, especially the way he he plays that role so well too. Very much so. And, uh, That's also, it's so unfortunate because I'm a a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I think he was just so good on that show. Mm -hmm. Go stream 
Very unfortunate. Go stream Brooklyn Nine Nine. I don't know if Homicide is is streaming anywhere, but uh, you could do that. And of course, you can listen to some Beach Boys. You can watch the uh, clips of them live to to see Jeff. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our our. Right, our mark out moment of the week has to be the biggest thing because I think one of the biggest pictures in pro wrestling this week was Baron Corbin at the Chiefs game hanging out with Taylor Swift. That was just so random. In what world? I thought that was it's, crazy. It's a sign. WrestleMania. She's coming. She has to be at WrestleMania. They have to. She's in Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia. That's her home team. Has to be. It's going to happen. And then uh, also, I think the other biggest picture in wrestling this week was at the premiere of the Iron Claw movie where John Cena and MJF were pictured together. And I think that's pretty big. Obviously, uh, other people were there. Liv Morgan was there. Baron Corbin was also there. And there's pictures of him and MJF looking like uh, they could be like a buddy cop film together. I mean, they twins. They've also they've also had uh, interactions back and forth on Twitter too. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of funny, just like how these people they they will play up the fans so easily, and in reality, they're just mad chill. Yeah, and it's cool to see John Cena in pictures with Zac Efron and Kevin Von Erich. Um, so yeah, I definitely I I marked out over those two things. You know, for me, mark out was definitely Ivar versus Reed. I was at the edge of my seat the entire time. I marked out for that. I totally marked out for Rollins and CM Punk. Speaking promo. of edge, by the way, did you did you see? Him at the premiere of the Percy Jackson show? Yeah. Looking like Michael Hayes. <laughs> oh, I didn't see. I didn't put that together. I, with that, I mean, Hayes. I don't think he's purposely dressed like how Michael Hayes would dress, but I thought that was yeah, kind of funny. But also yeah, uh, no. something, I, I guess I marked out over it. On Tuesday, the Kia Forum announced that CM Punk will be returning to the ring. By facing Dominic on the December 30th holiday show. And I'm like, uh, hello, MSG. What are you waiting for? And a few hours later, Madison Square Garden announced that at the uh, the December 26th holiday tour show, they'll be having that match. And that, unless he wrestles like next week or something, that's going to be CM Punk's first match back. Since that Royal Rumble in 2014. So. Yeah. And I think his last holiday show at the Garden was probably 2011. With his last actual show being a live event at uh, the Garden in 2012 there. But. That's uh, just just crazy. That's a, that's a know? big uh, just... a big spot for Dominic. A big spot for CM Punk to, to make his in-ring I'm... return at Madison Square Garden. I mean, Dominic is having one of the best years. And it's funny because they have history. They have that spot from SmackDown all those years back. So I don't recall when obviously he's feuding with Rey Mysterio 
and Ray had his oh. whole family there in the ring, and Dominic, obviously part of Rey Mysterio's family, was on the opposite side of CM Punk. So I think that was yeah. that's pretty cool. And then I also mean, uh, Dominic just is having such a, a great year. So for him to be paired up against CM Punk in potentially his uh, return match, it's matches. I a, guess you could say. Yeah, matches. The, the original it, match was incredible, and it also Cody. shows how much they. It was Cody versus huh? Dominic, so I was like, "That doesn't make sense to me." Now it, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but for them to well, but I mean, it doesn't fully make sense. But they're but. showing, but they're showing how much they really trust Dominic Mysterio right now with right. all the matches that they're putting him in. But again, maybe I mean, CM pa- Punk requested that. They paired. They just paired up Dominic with Randy Orton on his return match too. Mm. You know, I it, it's it's really awesome to see. And yeah, I totally marked out for for those things uh, this week. I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that Nikki Garcia now is on uh, an episode of MTV Cribs on the longest season ever. And uh, last uh, this week they had Miro and and Lana. It was listed as CJ Perry, so mm-hmm. it was her episode. Miro just happened to be there. And uh, it's funny because they listed him as an AEW wrestler, but they all the pictures of him they showed were WWE. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. They they showed off their house on MTV Cribs. That's cool. And uh, that's really the, the Markout Moments of the Week. You can check us out on MarkingOut.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MarkingOut, on Instagram at MarkingOut11. That's the same for YouTube. You can check us out, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut, at MarkingOut on TikTok, BTTG161 on, on uh, I keep saying, I want to say Facebook, on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram, Chris Sweendog on Twitter, CM Sweeney 85 David, PTDPT on both platforms, all platforms. Uh, what else do we got? That's about it, right? MarkingOut.com, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for now, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and we wish you the, the best, best of, luck. of luck in your future endeavors.